Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Roundup on this, a Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Folks, do you know that today is National Old Stuff Day? So yeah, I'm hoping my co-host is going to be extra nice to me for a change. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Sorry to have waken you up there, Sheila. It looked like you were drifting off there. <laughs> no, I was I was looking at some of the other things that are on the list of whatever it is today. And it's uh, besides National Old Stuff Day, which <laughs> means I have to be nice to you. It's also National <laughs> Peasants Day, which hopefully our lizard overlords like Justin Trudeau will be nice to us peasants today. Um and it's Dr. Seuss's birthday, so I don't know if he's been canceled yet. Has he been canceled yet, or is are they giving him the royal doll treatment where they do him the indignity of rewriting his work after his death? It, it's a piecemeal uh, thing, Sheila. It, it's not outright cancellation, but, oh, here's a book that might be culturally insensitive. Here's a book that might have a racist limerick. And so one by one. I think it began with was that it, it happened on Mulberry Street, if if I recall. And oh, I wish the woke mob had tipped me off about their targets because you know, Sheila, if we went back two years ago and we bought up every new copy of It Happened on Mulberry Street and other Dr. Seuss books, those are instant collectible items. I'm trying. There's like I forget what they call these people who go and posthumously uh, dehumanize and denigrate and uh, do these talented writers the indignity of putting their thing through the sausage maker of wokeness. Um, they Recently, they just got Ian Fleming, so James Bond. Uh, he's getting it, uh, which is no surprise. I'm actually kind of surprised they took so long to get to him, but maybe it's because oh. his, his book, like James Bond books and James Bond uh, movies, they are so toxically masculine that um, the, the wokesters don't even know that this stuff exists. What does that mean, even, toxic masculinity? You know what it really means, Sheila? It just simply means masculinity. It means an, a yeah. man acting like a, a man and femininity being a woman acting as a woman, real, you know, woman, real men. But t in today's uh, Alpha Getty uh, you know, LGBT 184 genders. Uh, I guess we can't have uh, those kind of uh, classic, uh, you know, stereotypes, if you will, which pretty much represent, I would say, 99.9% .9 of the 8 billion residents on planet Earth. <laughs> There's an entire industry of people who do this, apparently. They're called sensitivity readers and what they do is they go around and rewrite chunks of authors text to make sure that books can quote continue to be enjoyed by all today and uh so i guess you can't call somebody fat in a royal doll book i i don't know what you call them instead of that but um this is just a terrible thing and this is ministry of truth by a different name no you're right um i think if there was one deceased individual in history I would love to have dinner with, it would be George Orwell. Um, I think he would be absolutely shocked by how prescient he was in the publication of 1984. He might, might have got it wrong in terms of the, the actual decade. And 
And of course, he chose 1984 simply because it was written in 1948. So he just reversed the digits. But uh, it's all coming true, isn't it, Sheila? Yeah, it sure is. Um, Olivia, while I tell everybody what we're doing here, can you dig an article up for me? It is about climate activists vandalizing a woolly mammoth. Oh, um, yes. I just want to talk about that really, really, really briefly. I won't take all day, even though I'd love to. Um, so this is the Rebel News Daily Roundup. It's normally hosted by David Menzies, as it is today, and a rotating cast of co-hosts. Today, it's me. And we talk about the news of the day, completely unscripted. And we rely on the talent and quick thinking of our producers behind the board, Efron and the intrepid Olivia. Now, if you want to interact with us here at Rebel News and take the show in your own direction, which um, I encourage you to do for a, a couple of different reasons, you can leave us a paid chat um, on Rumble. It's called the Rumble Rant. And on Odyssey, it's called the Hyper Chat. And I encourage you to do this because it is democratizing the show. Of course, we have our list of things that we want to talk about. But unlike the mainstream media, we want to hear from you. And we don't want to take your money unwillingly, as is the case with your ongoing support of the mainstream media here in Canada at the behest of Justin Trudeau. He just reaches into your pocket and gives money to these failing news organizations who will never get the market correction they so rightly deserve because... Um, they continue to prop him up. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to be like that. We want you to make the decision out of your own free will to support our work. And in turn, we let you have your say. And speaking of having your say, why don't you have your say on this woolly mammoth that was recently vandalized by climate <sighs> activists? I mean, what did the poor woolly mammoth have to do? <laughs> <laughs> with, with anything uh, related to the environment, except, of course, going extinct before there was such a thing as, oh, I don't know, a fossil fuel powered SUV. But, you know, Sheila, this is, I think, what you're getting to, and I'll let you say your piece. I am disgusted by what's happening around the world in museums with fine art and fine exhibits uh, being desecrated. Who the hell do these people think they are that they can just wantonly vandalize uh, these exhibits? And, you know, it's kind of funny, too. Um, you didn't see that with the Freedom Convoy. You know the narrative there. These were the barbarians at the gate, except well, that— We'll get to this. <laughs> yeah, except that crime went down while they were there, except that I defied anyone in those three weeks to find even one piece of litter, including a cigarette butt on a sidewalk. They were walking around with uh, scoops and brooms and they're vilified, they're demonized, but a bunch of real vandals uh, desecrating uh, art and exhibits and museums there to be applauded by the mainstream media because they're making a, a statement? Yeah, these people are, I mean, they've gotten away with vandalizing and erasing history in the past, pulling down statues. They get the help of the municipal government. So why wouldn't they do this? And they think that they're vandalizing something to prove a point, but the point they're proving is that the earth warmed drastically long before my Jeep showed up. Exactly. <laughs> like the woolly mammoth existed at a time where massive ice sheets covered the face of the earth, particularly around here. Um, and it warmed up. It warmed up 
and uh, fossil fuels had nothing to do with it. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned the Freedom Convoy and how outraged the mainstream media and the liberals, um, how they were about the Freedom Convoy. Because this person um, is part of a movement called On to Ottawa, <laughs> which sounds a hell of a lot like the Freedom Convoy to Ottawa, but this is like their <laughs> left-wing version. Um, and we're supposed to pretend that it's totally different. Um, so it says a climate activist was escorted out of the Royal BC Museum by police Wednesday morning after spreading pink paint on the museum's woolly mammoth replica. So at least this is a replica and it wasn't uh, a piece of earth history that has yeah. been completely erased because as we know, climate activists love to erase or ignore earth history, like geological core samples that say like the world was much greener and biodiversity was much more at a time when there was much more carbon in the atmosphere and there was much more carbon in the atmosphere and animals were bigger and trees were more lush and my SUV was not around. So, yeah. um, and Sheila, if I may, if I may ask you, what is the significance of the color pink? I don't know. I think it's just damaging. Uh, the left loves pink, right? The pink hats and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but this is the part that I love because uh, these people are clueless um, and they've never had an original <laughs> thought in their brain ever. Um, organizers of the protests, protest described it as the launch of a new campaign called On to Ottawa, a quote, caravan. Did they just like hit the thesaurus button on their, <laughs> on their computer? Like seriously, a caravan that will depart Vancouver on April 1st. And guess what, where it's going? Traveling to the nation's capital. I'm oh, we've got to be there for that, Sheila. Damn right we do. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I'll be going to Ottawa as part of a caravan to demand immediate action to tackle the climate and ecological emergency and would encourage everyone to join, especially the youth, said Laura Sullivan a 24-year-old climate activist who obviously gave up a uh, promising career with a real job as um, <laughs> an engineer. She was a former UBC engineering student who applied wow. the paint to the mammoth test. So first of all, how the hell are these people going to get there? You going to walk? Climate activists, how are you going to get all the way from Vancouver to Ottawa? I'm also reliably informed that going to Ottawa to protest, um, to demand change to public policy, is something that Justin Trudeau says requires martial law. So let's just see how this shakes out. And as we know, the environmentalist movement, as opposed to truckers and farmers and um, the useful people of the country who went to Ottawa, you know, like the blue collar a working class uprising of the convoy. These are people, the climate activists, their side engages in violence and vandalism. All we have yep. to do is look at the mayhem they caused at Coastal Gas Link. And they have got a long history of this all the way back to the War of the Woods, where they would put spikes into trees so that chainsaws would buck back and potentially kill yep. uh, loggers. That's um, terrorism. That's, uh, that is terrorism. Yeah. I mean, the, the fear of those people and, you know, let's not forget the the bombings of uh, wellhead sites in northern Alberta. Now, whoever did that, I don't know, but I know a lot of guys were scared to go to work. 
Um, so, and it was attributed to that side of, or I don't know, some of it was probably the RCMP. I'm, I'm, I'm more suspect <laughs> of the feds now than anything ever before. But uh, I think it's no. going to be really interesting to see how the government treats these guys. Oh, with yeah. With their car caravan. Yes. <laughs> as opposed to the convoy. You know, and I wonder what that caravan's going to look like since we're on a prehistoric theme here with the woolly mammoth, Sheila. Do you think maybe they'll be getting to Ottawa via, you know, Fred Flintstone cars? Uh, that or was exactly <laughs> my thought. I want to see their little feet out the bottom of their Prius. And, you know, <laughs> even as a kid, I used to watch the Flintstones and I used to say, I don't get it. Why doesn't he just jog to work? Why do you carry the husk of a car with no motor? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's in my system. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Oh, by the way, wait, there's more. I didn't re finish reading this uh, article. There's more because uh, we were told, I think I'm frozen up here. Okay. So we were told that the convoy had some sort of manifesto to overthrow the government, which it didn't like, so, like five fringe people loosely attached to the convoy had a manifesto that none of the real convoy leadership ever took seriously. That's right. Um, but anyways, these guys, these, con the, sorry, the climate caravanners, they do have, they're not calling it a manifesto. They're calling it an ultimatum. I just love how they discovered their thesaurus. Um, <laughs> anyways, organizers have said the caravan intends to issue quote, an ultimatum to the prime minister and his cabinet for their alleged Quote, criminal inaction on climate change. These guys sound more <laughs> radical more radical than any part of the convoy. Uh, the ultimatum calls on the government to establish a citizens' assembly to decide how Canada's economy will be transformed to tackle the climate and ecological emergency in the next two to three years. I thought it was 12. Um, <laughs> and threatens, and threatens, oh gosh, waves of caravans that will aim to occupy... <laughs> Ottawa indefinitely until their demands are met. Uh, and then it says, on to Ottawa, described Sullivan's protest Wednesday as a, quote, continuation of worldwide disruptions of iconic paintings and symbols to wake people and governments up to the urgent actions needed to tackle the climate emergency. Last year, climate activists made international headlines for throwing soup on a Van Gogh painting at the National Gallery in London. Closer to home, protesters opposed to coastal gas link pipeline in northern BC threw maple syrup onto an Emily Carr painting at the National Art Gallery in November. These people have committed more mischief yep. than any member of the convoy. They are issuing ultimatums, manifestos, and threats. They plan to occupy the nation's capital they've got a caravan which is just a cute thesaurus search away from a convoy I, i'm dying i'm dying to see how these people are treated oh uh, me as well say uh efren can you book me a cameraman for uh, april fool's oh, yeah. day uh we got to get to ottawa for this here's april the question fool's I... day that's beautiful oh it's <laughs> april 1st right <laughs> the little on the nose <laughs> um sheila here's my question uh, they're lunatics uh, and they're vandals. And, uh, you know, th th that goes without saying. Do you think there will be any MP in Ottawa that day that will actually come out to address this crowd? 100% Jagmeet Singh, um, probably the environment minister. They're all going to get meetings with. Unbelievable. Um, for sure, the NDP. 
I imagine the environment minister, probably natural resources might even get a, like a, uh, I admire what these people are doing from Justin Trudeau. I think. Incredible. Well, that'll be really telling because as you said, they're issuing an ultimatum, although I fear <laughs> their ultimatum is about as effective as a WWE referee warning the bad guy to put away the foreign object for 14 times in a row. So oh, I can't <laughs> wait till they roll through Edmonton. I'm going to be out on the overpass <laughs> watching them go by. I can't wait. Wow, that 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 is shocking. And um, and it will be most interesting to see the media coverage uh, because I, I already saw the damage control on uh, Talk Radio 1010 in Toronto where they were giving these people a pass because you see, Sheila, yeah, they, they vandalized the woolly mammoth. They threw paint on it, but it's water-soluble. So after a couple of hours of scrubbing, it will come off and everything will be restored. Uh, do you think these same media apologists would ever give the trucker convoy a fair chance to explain themselves. It was automatic condemnation, vilification, and demonization. But these jabronis, they're heroes. Oh, by the way, let's talk about foreign funding of their movement. You know, oh. these people, the mainstream media and the liberals, although I think I'm probably repeating myself there, they were looking for Russians in the cabs of every truck that was in Ottawa. Yep. They were so convinced without evidence that this was a Kremlin-backed operation instead of <laughs> exactly what it was, just a bunch of working-class people who got fed up and then they invaded the bubble dome of Ottawa. But these uh, environmentalist radicals, we absolutely know that they are foreign-funded. The funding comes from San Francisco, but it gets a little more complicated than that because some of these San Francisco-based granting charities who funnel money from billionaires into these hub charities who then send it out like tentacles into their uh, little satellite organizations who work to undermine Canada and Canadian prosperity here in, uh, in our neck of the woods. Some of that money, and this was in Senate testimony at the United States, can be traced back to offshore accounts and some of that money is traced actually back to Russia. And there's a business case for Russia doing this. So I understand it. I disagree with it because it unemploys Albertans, but I get it. They And I think it was uh, uh, somebody at the UN, Ezra mentioned it the other day, I constantly forget his name, who said, yeah, of course, Russia, we know, has been funneling money this way to environmental activists because then they go out and they protest fracking because they're stupid and they don't understand science yeah. and they go and block pipelines. And guess what happens? Russia secures the market share for Gazprom exactly. and maintains that stranglehold on Europe as the largest natural gas supplier. And we never get our oil and our natural gas in the liquefied form offshore to offset what they're doing. So I get why they're doing it. Um, but, uh, I think it's funny that the same people rattling uh, their sabers about foreign funding are perfectly fine with this actual foreign funded convoy <laughs> headed down to Ottawa to issue a manifesto and occupy the place. No, you're quite right, Sheila. As always, follow the money. And on your original point about the trucker convoy in Ottawa being funded or supported somehow uh, by Russia, 
Uh, even CSIS says there is no evidence to support that. But these talking points are still being floated out there by certain MPs. Just the other day, an NDP MP brought up the uh, foreign funding of the trucker convoy, and there's no there there. This is a falsehood. This is a lie, but they'll keep repeating it because I think that's one of the the goals um, or, or the methods of propaganda. Repeat a lie long enough and loud enough, and people will actually believe that. Um, speaking of lying, Sheila, um, we should take a, a very quick commercial break. But uh, yeah, it, uh, we, we have a, a video clip. We, hang on, hang on. Just before we move on about these, this anti-fracking stuff. Um, and for people who are scared of fracking, Alberta would be in complete total meltdown if fracking were bad. But we've been fracking here for the better part of half a century. I think we're close to, I think we're probably over at this point, 200,000 fracked wells. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but in impeachment testimony against Donald Trump, Fiona Hill, who is not a Trump fan, she was John Bolton, who also didn't like Trump. His, his former direct um, report. Uh, so anyways, in recent testimony to House lawmakers, Fiona Hill, John Bolton's former direct report at the National Security Council and the White House's former top expert on Russia reported that Russian propaganda was working to undermine the use of hydraulic fracturing, a.k.a. fracking in the United States. Um, so Hill explained that Putin saw American fracking as a great threat to Russian interests and that a fracking ban would play into strengthening Putin's hands as because natural gas applies to Central European economic markets. So um, they've known about this for a long time. They traced the money back for a long time. The environmentalist movement, it's foreign funded either through the United States or if you trace it back a little bit further to interests in Russia. And yet people who are, again, scared of Russians in the convoy have never done anything about this. Never. And if you point it out, you're somehow a conspiracy theorist. Unbelievable. Okay, I'll shut up now. Sheila, why don't we take a quick commercial break and then we'll get back to um, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau reassuring Canadians yes. that potential Speaking of foreign, foreign meddling. <laughs> yeah, you know, isn't that kind of like the wolf reassuring the lamb that nothing bad is going to happen uh, during this little relationship? Um, but uh, he is saying um, we have nothing to worry about in terms of potential foreign interference in elections. Um Despite, oh, you know, CSIS whistleblower saying, yeah, um, forget about Alfred E. Newman, the Mad Magazine mascot, you know, what me worry. Uh, start worrying because it happened. And not only in the 2021 election, in which it's estimated that nine conservatives lost their seats uh, because of Chinese interference, but it also happened in the 2019 election as well. And we'll, we'll address this after the break, folks. Keep it right here. Have you checked out the fresh new swag we have at rebelnewsstore.com? Like this nifty resistance trucker sweater? We have warm, cozy sweaters, t-shirts, mugs, hats, phone cases, you name it. Everything to fit your freedom-loving needs or maybe even trigger a liberal family member or friend. 
And for a limited time, you can use code SMERA10 at checkout to save 10% off of your total order. So head on over to rebelnewsstore.com, check out all of our new designs, make some purchases and use code TAMARA, that's T-A-M-A-R-A 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. Head on over, check it out. I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis, when violent and fanatical men are attempting to destroy the unity and the freedom of Canada. But after weeks of dangerous and unlawful activities, after weeks of people being harassed in their neighborhoods and small businesses forced to close, democracy flourishes in Canada. We don't always agree, and that's okay. Because individual liberty is cherished in Canada. Our government will always defend freedom of expression and freedom of peaceful assembly. It has now been demonstrated to us by a few misguided persons. After evidence of increased ideologically motivated violent extremism activity across the country. Just how fragile a democratic society can be. It became clear that local and provincial authorities needed more tools to restore order and keep people safe. These are matters of the utmost gravity, and I want to tell you what the government is doing to deal with them. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act. The public's legitimate right to know why the government proclaimed an emergency and whether the actions it took were appropriate. It is our view that there was no justification whatsoever to invoke the Emergencies Act. It's so tough to watch. There's no reason for that. They were literally running the horses through the crowd. The police came straight to me and he targeted me and he, he, he took his gun of tear gas and he actually shot me directly in my legs. Was it worth invoking the Emergencies Act, ma'am, to trample on the rights and freedoms of Canadians? Why do you think excessive honking means means that the government should strip citizens away from their rights. Our next and final witness is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Order a lot. And speaking of blackface, uh, why don't we get to that video of uh, Trudeau reassuring Canadians? And after you watch it, folks, ask yourself the question, do you feel better now? <laughs> um, the national security agencies in this country have huh. been dealing with foreign interference for a very, yeah. very long time. And as a government, yeah. we've been talking about the impacts of foreign interference on Canadians uh, for many, many years, even as we're building up more and more tools for our institutions to defend ourselves, for our democracy to remain robust. And it's important to highlight that the greatest targets of foreign interference are diaspora communities themselves. The Chinese government goes after Chinese citizens and Chinese parliamentarians. The uh, Iranian uh, regime goes after uh, the Iranian diaspora. 
Russian speakers are more exposed to Russian misinformation and disinformation online and on the web. Every step of the way, we have ensured and continue to ensure that populations that are particularly vulnerable to uh, foreign interference uh, by uh, problematic state actors are properly supported and properly informed of the risks uh, that they are being targeted. Sheila, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the Chinese interference, I, I just have to have a little sidebar comment here because the prime minister brought it up, uh, what's going on in Iran. If you want to do something about Iranian interference, uh, Blackface McGroper, how about this? Get Majid Johari, the MP for the writing of Richmond Hill, out of the House of Commons. This is a pro-regime uh, stooge. This is somebody that's had uh, Iranian government members have secret meetings over in Canada. This is somebody that supports the idea that uh, if you are a female and you break the dress code, uh, you deserve to get roughed up or worse. So get that garbage out of the House of Commons if you're concerned about Iranian interference. Now, with the main target here, uh, I'm uh, surprised, uh, Sheila, he, um, he, he didn't go to his knee-jerk reaction, which was to play the race card, i.e. Uh, you bring up uh, Chinese interference, you're obviously anti-Asian. Um, he's talking about protecting the diaspora because people who are from these sinister places who escape to the freedom of Canada and whom we promise will be protected by our rights and freedoms. Those are the people being targeted by the Chinese. <laughs> like, yeah. like, let's be real here. You know who lost their seats in BC? Kenny Chu. Yeah. Guess what his ethnicity is? <laughs> Alice Wong. Guess what her ethnicity is? Yeah. The problem is Justin Trudeau doesn't count them yeah. as ethnically Chinese because he counts them as conservative. And if you are a conservative, you are a white supremacist, no matter where you're from. And so while he says, oh, we're protecting the diaspora from intimidation by um, these sinister regimes, uh, no, you're not. Because Kenny Chu is an ethnically Chinese, freedom-loving Canadian. Alice Wong, ethnically Chinese, freedom-loving Canadian. But throw them on the bonfire of people targeted by the Chinese state because they're conservative. And if a conservative or two loses their seat, who cares if China helped us do it? That's what Justin, Justin Trudeau, who constantly says we have to do these things to protect our democracy. He's willing to sacrifice the fundamentals of our democracy as long as he wins up to 11 seats, uh, the majority of which were actually in the GTA. No, a hundred percent. And we have so many clips here, uh, Sheila. Um, why don't we go to this one? Because I think this is important. Uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is refusing to say if his party will keep propping up Justin Trudeau's government following these allegations. You know, if it were me, Sheila, I would this say um, this is his way out. This is a way out with dignity. Um yeah, we believed in the idea of propping up uh, Trudeau's government so that I could get my full pension in 2025. Or, I mean, so I could uh, bring stability to the Canadian government. Uh, but now that these allegations 
And I, I think, um, you know, talk about where there's smoke, there's fire. I think there's more to come. And you know the yeah. liberals are freaking out, not about the Chinese interference folks, but about who the whistleblower is. They are going crazy trying to determine that. And by the way, on that note, Sheila, we have to admit, uh, Bob Fife of the Globe and Mail has done outstanding work Fair on Fair enough. This. I'll say it. Good job. <laughs> yep. I won't be surprised if they put the screws to him. If they say, I will not be surprised if they can't find out the whistleblower, they will bring uh, Fife upon the carpet and they'll say something, some malarkey along because of national security reasons, you must reveal your source. And if I was Bob Fife, and I mean this because to me, this is sacred source confidentiality. If you promise not to reveal a source, you cannot go back on that. And I would say, well, here's the deal, judge, if it went to a court, two days, two months, two years, two decades in the slammer, I'm not, I'm not speaking because as a journalist, all I have is my word. That's it. And if I lie, yeah. if I burn a source, uh, I have devalued myself and my profession, but I won't be surprised if these liberals go to that extent. But in the meantime, Sheila, let's play uh, Jugmeet Singh saying something or refusing to say something. Or, well, let's just roll the clip. <laughs> Is this an issue that could put your supply and confidence deal with the liberals at risk if they don't take steps to deal with the serious issue of foreign interference in our elections? Well, that's not a decision we're making today in terms of if we're going to an election or not, but it is something that we take very seriously. I have made the call for a public inquiry. So far, the prime minister has said that's not something he's going to do. We disagree on that. I think it should be a public independent inquiry that investigates this, that assesses some real the real dangers and provides us with real transparency around what happened and ways that we can prevent it from having an influence uh, in any way on our democratic system. I think that that is important to have that independence, assess that that risk and to provide us with recommendations. So uh, I maintain my position and I will continue to apply pressure on the government to move forward on an inquiry. Hey, Jugmeet, talk is cheap. And yeah. Sheila, if this- Where's the or what? What happens? Oh, Where's no. the or what in that statement? Not even that. And here's the deal. Um, if this government has had help getting reelected through Chinese interference, then Jugmeet Singh has become an accomplice, Sheila, right? Yeah. If he continues to prop up uh, this scandal-prone government, and believe me, Sheila, Chinese interference into the Canadian uh, federal elections, that is Watergate on steroids. It can't yeah. get any worse than that. Um, so I think Jagmeet Singh, the longer he props up this government, the more devalued his whole party is. What a disgrace Jagmeet Singh is. He has the ability, quite frankly, to put real pressure on the liberals that they might respond to. He could say, look, I've called for a public inquiry. Great. So what? You did. But he could say, I've called for a public inquiry. If they disagree, I'm breaking the coalition with them and the government will fall. He has the ability to do that, yeah. but he's not going to do it. Why? Because if he breaks the coalition, 
he is no longer uh, the deputy leader of the Liberal Party. He's not in. He's not the leader of the socialist wing of Canada's Liberal Party. He becomes third party insignificant dude under uh, Prime Minister Pierre Polyev. So he would rather, again, just like the Liberals, sacrifice the integrity of our elections just to hold on to some form of power. Now, going back to your comments about Bob Fife, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bob Fife retire in the very near future. <laughs> um, although he is like like that woolly mammoth, right? Like, like he's been around for a day or two. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, just retire um, because uh, I think they are going to put the screws to him. And I'll tell you why I think that. Uh, the liberals seem more concerned about the CSIS whistleblower. Yep than they do about the story that the CSIS whistleblower is telling. I saw that Gerald Butts on Twitter is, he seems really concerned about who this whistleblower is and what consequences they should face for blowing the whistle on his boss ignoring CSIS, going directly to the party and saying, hand on, no, don't, don't let him run. And Justin Trudeau overriding that. That is horrific. Yeah. But Gerald Butts instead is saying, well, who's the whistleblower? Because they will face serious ramifications. We need to find out who that person is. So in other words, uh, it's not the message we're concerned about. It's all about shooting the messenger. Uh, oh, and yeah. to me, that CSIS agent, and I will bet you this, uh, hero. Sheila, him or her, I bet, is Asian or even Chinese. Because to eavesdrop uh, on conversations, Ooh. to gather your intelligence, you got to be able to, you know, speak and uh, understand and write in the Mandarin language. And so the idea of this not being, um, you know, a Chinese agent, uh, which kind of narrows it down maybe uh, for the wolves trying to find out who the whistleblower is. But I bet you that will be revealed. That's just my hunch. I could be wrong, but another um, racist, another racist <laughs> attacking poor Justin Trudeau, the black face wearer. Uh, let's go to uh, I, I'm sure you're going to say let's go to Polyev just so we've rounded out um, what the leaders are saying about this. I was going to go to another uh, I was going to go to Pinocchio. I mean, Mendicino. But yeah, why don't we go to Polyev? Uh, let's go to Polyev. Then let's go to uh, Mendicino. Yeah, hopefully he's not uh, condemning Christine Anderson or anyone else from the uh, European Parliament. So let's see what uh, Pierre had to say. Conservatives are announcing today we support an independent and public inquiry on the following conditions. One, it has to be independent. All parties in the Parliament must agree on the, who the commissioner is. We cannot have yet another liberal crony uh, named to head up this inquiry. Someone who's been a head of the Trudeau Foundation, for example, would not qualify as independent. Uh, two, it has to be public. We can't simply bury it behind closed doors and have it in secret uh, while Canadians are left in the dark, potentially with another election interfered in before the results of the commission come out. The results of the commission and the regular testimony must be public. Second, we must continue the, in the investigations being done here in Parliament. This should not be an excuse for the NDP and Liberals to shut down accountability by simply pushing it off to a secretive and slow process 
that will not bear results for years to come. We must continue to get answers here. And that includes bringing Katie Telford, the Prime Minister's own Chief of Staff and top campaign operative. The NDP has twice voted to block her from testifying in committee. The NDP must stop the cover-up for the Liberals. They must do their job. They were elected to be part of the opposition, and they must stop their efforts to, to cover up for Justin Trudeau uh, by allowing her and others like her to testify. Finally, we want any public inquiry to look also into the abuse by the, the regime in Beijing of the, the, the domestic Canadian uh, Chinese population. Can Chinese Canadians are patriotic. They are faithful to our country. They deserve our protection. They, it is absolutely unacceptable that they should be harassed or intimidated by foreign police stations or other techniques. We want all the light shed on this and we want all the protections to go to these uh, wonderful Canadians to protect them against abuses by a foreign regime. And Sheila, everything Mr. Polyev had to say is all well and good, but I have another question. Where the blue hell is the RCMP on this matter? Or maybe they've outsourced uh, these investigations to those um, three uh, Chinese uh, police stations in the greater Toronto area. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do uh, an above board investigation on Chinese influence. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... It's really something to hear, actually. Finally, Pierre Polyev call out the NDP for shamelessly supporting the Liberals on this. He said the Liberals and the NDP are going to do this. So he sees right through Jagmeet Singh's mealy mouth nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember when, I think it was 2012, when Harper cut diplomatic ties with Iran? Throughout all their diplomats because they were using the embassies and consulates to bully the diaspora, people who had fled the regime. He was using, the, the, the regime was using diplomats to intimidate and harass people who had escaped. And I'm trying to remember, did the liberals oppose that? I can't really remember. I feel like they probably opposed it just for the sake of opposing it. And it's probably, oh, I'm going to look in. I'll look, but I'm I'm nearly 100% convinced that the liberals were mad about that. And now I got to listen to Justin Trudeau prattle on about protecting the diaspora. Anyway. And, and you know, uh, in the um, strategy of saving some time here, the Mendicino clip, it, it simply boils down to this. We're going to ban uh, TikTok on all right. government <laughs> devices. Look at the timing, Sheila. Isn't that so interesting, right? Just when this Chinese... Um, interference is emerging. Uh, Blackface says, okay, let's throw them a bone. Look, we're banning TikTok. Uh, are you happy now? Do you see how anti-Chinese uh, uh, communist government we are? That's what this is. That's a public relations exercise. Yeah, I mean, we're banning TikTok um, because what? So we, we need a whiff of the liberals thinking China's bad. Um, <laughs> Justin Trudeau's favorite dictatorship. Um, yeah, like, I don't, like, great. I, I'm kind of happy that the people from the CRA don't have uh, TikTok on their work phones anymore. Great. But this is the least of the things that they could possibly do to investigate China's influence on Canadian democracy. All right. Now, speaking of scandals, and I can think of no other <laughs> word, but, um, well, we have an update on the Busty Lemieux debacle. 
As you know, folks, this is the male uh, shop teacher who um, wears prosthetic breasts, but more on that in a little, little later. It's now into month seven. It is becoming clear to me, Sheila, that Busty Lemieux runs the Halton District School Board. Last night was a meeting to reveal after months and months and months of studying whether they could have a dress code. Oh, not a dress code for students, not a dress code for Halloween. That already exists. Right. But a dress code for teachers. Uh, the answer is uh, not yet. Um, we think by not having a dress code, this is what they're saying when you analyze the weasel words, Sheila, that we are basically embracing the Ministry of Education standards when it comes to uh, what uh, people have to wear, I guess. As you know, earlier in November, they said to impose a dress code would open up the school board to liability. That resulted in, um, uh, oh, uh, I, I'm Look at this a liability issue happening right here. Like, is he oh. even wearing uh, safety glasses? Uh, as I've always said, Sheila, forget about the Ministry of Education. Where's the Ministry of Labor? Every shop rule is being violated there. But in terms of dress codes and being open to liability, that was completely blown out of the water. Howard Levitt and his associate, and Howard Levitt is probably Canada's uh, foremost labor lawyer. I know he charges more than a thousand bucks an hour. Um, so I think he's probably forgotten more about labor law than the Halton District School Board trustees will ever learn. Uh, he said, this is rubbish. Even in a highly unionized environment, of course, management is entitled to impose a dress code. And they are, Sheila. So right now, um, so there's a couple of <clears throat> developments, pardon the pun. Uh, basically, uh, Busty Lemieux, and you tell me, Sheila and folks, uh, uh, if you think this is any kind of tangible solution. The original strategy was to play whack-a-mole, uh, transfer them around the region to different schools and hope that nobody notices those ginormous Z cup boobs. And yep. of course, everybody noticed. That's then they brought him back. Yep. yep. Then they brought him back to uh, square one, Oakville Trafalgar High School. And guess what, Sheila? Um, the bomb threats continued. So uh, it was causing uh, great operational difficulty because they'd have to search every room uh, before school starts. So the solution now is they've kicked Lemieux out of school. Oh, hooray. Well, wait a minute. Check out the um, asterisk. Um, he's on full paid leave. So he's getting his full salary and all his benefits to sit at home and play video games or whatever the hell it is this uh, dude does. And secondly, um, because it seems that money, our money, is no object, Sheila, the Halton District School Board is going to hire a consultant, and I'm going to bet you it's going to be six figures at least. Oh, I'll get that to study for sure. whether they can have a dress code. Well, if we need a consultant, why in blue hell do we have these trustees? Why do you people have a job? You're not doing it. Why do you have to have an outside advisor to advise you on doing the obvious? And the third thing, Sheila, because there's so much blame to go around here, where the devil is Education Minister Stephen Lecce. He should have addressed this on the first day of school back in September. And because the school board 
has proven they are incompetent and they are incapable of enforcing a dress code which is fully within their bailiwick, he should have just said, I am disbanding you. This dog don't hunt, as they say in Alabama. And Sheila, uh, school boards like municipalities, they are a creature of the provincial government. And I can tell you, most school boards in Ontario, for sure, these are uh, extensions of the N NDP caucus. So why isn't Premier Cherry Cheesecake uh, moving on this too? Because these are people that hate him and hate his government. And I think, Sheila, you mentioned in Alberta, uh, there's a precedent for this, isn't there? The Ministry of Education uh, basically um, eradicating an entire school board. Yeah, it happened in 2019, and they went without a school board for over five years. It was the Northland School Division. Uh, it's 27,000 students, mostly in northern Alberta, largely Métis and Indigenous kids across, I don't know, about a dozen or so schools. And the Alberta government said, you guys are literally not doing your job. Um, the students were missing more than four days of school a month. Uh, like It was just like kids weren't showing up. Kids weren't meeting the acceptable standard for achievement tests in grade three. 39% met the acceptable standard versus 74% across the entire province. In grade nine social studies, 14% of Northland students met the standard versus 65% across Alberta. Uh, so in January of 2020, 20, 2009, Dave Hancock fired all 23 elected trustees and just appointed a guy to run the place, uh, citing the poor performance, declining student performance, and overall problems with government or governance. Mm. And uh, it was just a nightmare. And I think things have turned around there. Sorry, it was 2,700 students across the northern um, communities. And then they did a big study into what transpired. Why did this get so out of hand in the first place? Because at the end of the day, whatever garbage is going on between teachers, between the board, it's the kids who are suffering yeah. and nobody seems to care that this this is has a real impact in, on the education of kids while they allow this absolute mayhem to go on with what did i call this person this morning uh the uh upper canadian boob squatch or the Ru greater rupert's land boob squatch um the, the kids have to live through this is absolutely ridiculous they're just supposed to go to school learn meet some friends, eat some not so great lunch food, and then come home and go on with their lives. But they're in the middle of this spectacle and nobody seems to care. And, and Sheila, the bigger question is this, why do we need school boards, especially since so many school boards are just hives of far left activists? We uh, principals can be given additional powers and we have the Ministry of, Educa of Education. So why do we need the middleman in the first place? And again, uh, case in point, the Halton District School Board, it's seven months and they can't even say that, yes, we are going to put a dress code in for this man that is making a mockery of uh, Oakville Trafalgar High School when he's there and uh, making um, the Halton District School Board an international laughingstock. Yeah, and who do these wussies think they work for? 
they are elected by the parents, by the taxpayer to act in the best interest of the parents and the taxpayer in an adversarial capacity against the teachers union. The boobzilla has the teachers union on their side. They don't need a second advocate paid by the taxpayer to stick up for them. The board uh -huh. is supposed to be sticking up for the students. Yeah. And, and in case anyone thinks this is a transphobia thing, first of all, the trans community has been absolutely silent on this. In fact, some of them have come forward and they They're blame mortified. Lemieux for setting back their movement two decades because of this drag queen show he's doing. And um, this is today's front page story by our good friend, Joe Warmington. I love the, the headline, the ladies man. And um, Nick Kozak, who is a Toronto photographer. He was hired by the New York Post. That's where this uh, photograph is reprinted from, uh, Sheila. But the point is, they caught this so-called trans man, trans woman, I, I don't know what you call them, caught him red-handed in full male getup. Sweatpants, yeah. uh, you know, you know, uh, a gray t-shirt, a blue vest. And a couple of things happened, folks, when he was actually caught red-handed. First of all, he said, oh, no, 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 that's not me. Okay, who is it? Well, I don't want to bring this other person uh, into the controversy. <laughs> I reached out to uh, Jack, the journalist that wrote the piece, uh, Sheila, and this is what he said. Um, we saw Busty Lemieux drive into the underground parking lot at his Burlington condo 20 minutes later in the same make, model, and color of car. This guy came out. He was seen carrying shopping bags that his alter ego uh, earlier on was carrying. And on top of that, he had two sources at the condo verify, yep, they are one and the same. I don't know about you, Sheila, that's good enough for me, right? And then uh, just to bring people up to date on, uh, in case they hadn't been following the New York Post brilliant reporting, Busty Lemieux agreed to a meeting, an exclusive interview at a Burlington cafe and now the story is this. Those weren't props that we see him in. Uh, those are actual, real mammary glands. He started developing at the age of 39. <laughs> it's hard to say this without laughing. He's got right. a condition, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, gigantomastia. Um, this is a bona fide condition. It's been verified by the Cleveland Clinic. There's about 300 cases that are known uh, to them. It's basically enormous breast growth. Just one caveat, Sheila, every single one of those 300 or so cases are biological females. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I mean, the debate rages. Is this guy doing a cosmic prank? Is he anti-woke or is he completely off his freaking rocker? Is he mentally ill? I'm siding uh, with option B, to tell you the truth. And, um, you know, good for uh, Nick Kozak for catching uh, the great Canadian boobzilla uh, in his uh, natural attire, which is a male. And by the way, I'm not any kind of facial recognition expert, Sheila. Yeah, the but, jaw uh, looks the same. Oh, forget the jaw. I'm looking at that nose. If uh, What are the odds that this guy just some random passerby has the exact same nose as uh, Busty Lemieux. Um, but 
what a circus. And you know, Sheila, we have a lottery, a scratch ticket lottery in Ontario called Cash for Life, where you know you can get $1,000 a week for life. That's what Bussy Lemieux has won without buying a ticket. He is staying at home indefinitely, being paid and getting all those uh, gold-plated benefits uh, for essentially for life. There's no deadline assigned to this. This is a disgrace. You know what? For the rest of the afternoon, the mics in my life are going to be texting me saying, see, Sheila, I told you so. He was a troll from the very beginning. And uh, I still am firmly in the, the camp that this guy is a fetishist um, yeah. because even if he had this exceedingly rare condition that does not affect biological men and his boobs grew to some enormous size overnight, um, what about the bike shorts? Oh, I agree. In, you know, I, I mean, that's the thing. If this was really a biological female and she had that condition, she wouldn't be dressing in that sexualized fashion. Uh, I, I, I'm sure of that, uh, Sheila. And also, don't you think the school board has grounds to fire him? Because remember, the original narrative is I'm transitioning into a female. But he told the New York Post he's not transgender. He's intersex. So this whole thing was built on a lie. So why is the lie being tolerated? It's like lying on your resume. That's grounds for dismissal. I'm sorry. Why don't they just fire him? And if they're worried about the union filing a grievance, and I don't know if they would or not, Sheila, then let, let's get into the ring and fight it out. You know, let's see if we can go ahead with this. But nope, it, we're going to hire a consultant and uh, run out the clock, ragging the puck even further. I can't believe this. Oh, and I've just been told that we have lost Sheila on this National Old Stuff Day. Maybe we need new technology. What do you think about that, folks? So why don't we, in the meantime, oh, she is back. <laughs> I'm back. And I have more things to say about the uh, boob squatch. Um, <laughs> does boob squatch think he's some sort of Clark Kent? Like this idea that, well, I'll just go take off my boobs and all of a sudden no one will know who I am. That weak rounded jawline is yeah. re and th that's really, really prominent. It's really identifiable. The fake boobs obviously mask his beer gut, but that lower jaw part, it's pretty clear that that is the same person. Oh, I don't know, Sheila. Maybe uh, it's just an absolute coincidence that uh, the dude uh, drives the, ex the exact same make, model, and color of car. Oh, and has the exact same license plate, too. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, someone will catch the boob squatch going in and out of its lair one of these days. And uh, the world will know. I, I mean, that photo is pretty conclusive, but video is always better, I think. Yeah, uh, well, in the meantime, like I said, there is a solution. Obviously, the Halton District School Board are completely incompetent and ineffectual. So it's time for Education uh, Minister Stephen Lecce to grow a set and just yeah. dismantle this joke 
woke school board once and for all. Why do we need them? Do what happened in Alberta back in 2019, Sheila, as you pointed out. Just put one dude in charge. Some guy who has, oh, I don't know, common sense, which seems to be AWOL at the Halton District School Board. But what a solution. And, And an act like that, firing everybody and appointing one guy to do their job, it puts the fear of God. And every other school board who thinks they're just going to do all these stupid stuff and disregard the will of parents and and the kids involved, uh, you wipe out one of these school boards and say, you guys are so dysfunctional that one normal level-headed person with an ounce of common sense could get this all done. It scares a lot of people straight. Oh, uh, uh, and, and it should. And by the way, folks, I would have loved to have covered the school board last night, but as I've mentioned on previous uh, live streams. You see, while the Home District School Board is all in with the radical transgender revolution, and as I said earlier, this guy himself is saying he's not trans, he's intersect. When it comes to their school board, when they see someone dressed like that, you might recall our stunt we did in October where I wore the identical attire and I asked some impolite questions. Well, the school board literally runs away they call the police and they ban me for life from their properties. We'll challenge that in court, by the way. Okay, uh, by the way, think... why can't they do that with the teacher? Just do that with the teacher. Exactly. That thing they just did to you, do it with the teacher. Oh, no, no, no. Like I said, uh, it's okay to have the kids, minors, exposed to this crap. And by the way, we understand from sources that his classes are a joke. Indeed, we have one photo of a a student, a male student, sitting beside him, vaping in class, and uh, Bussy Lemieux's doing nothing. Again, uh, isn't that a fireable offense or at least uh, an offense that would get a suspension? But no, Sheila, I'm not kidding when I say it. He runs the Halton District School Board. They are so woke and so scared of being called phobic, whatever the phobia is, they will bend the knee to him all the time. I think we have a picture of that, just in case uh, you think I just, I'm uh, not as I was saying before, As I was saying before Zoom crashed, I have two mics in my life, and they're both of the same viewpoint, that this person has been a troll from the entire beginning. And I am not convinced. I think this person is like a sinister weirdo who's gaming the system to have act, sexual access to other people's kids to feed into his fetish. And I think he likes the attention when he's uh, boob squatch, but not when he's just, uh, I don't know, dad shoes or whatever he is, I'll call him in, in his other life. Um, but and, and Sheila, on that either point. Way, either way, I think he has trolled us all because currently right now, he's on a full salary sitting at home. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, another example of uh, failing upward, uh, kind of like Emily Hillstrom, John Tory's mistress, getting a cushy gig at MLSE. I guess that's how it runs in this country these days, uh, Sheila. You know, no bad deed goes unrewarded. Um, but it, it it is astonishing to me that into month seven, this is still a thing. You know, I've, I've often said this, and, and I'm not trying to be mean here, or I'm not trying to be funny, but in my experience as a journalist covering school boards, it seems to me, Sheila, that the most stupid people on the planet yep. somehow get attracted to becoming a school board trustee or a director or an employee of a school oh, board. Yeah. 
Um, and here is more proof in the pudding, if you ask me. It's the most unaccessible, or it's the most accessible unearned power yeah. that an inept person with a desire for unearned power can get access to. Yeah. So it's it's really easy to get elected to the school board if you can just get the vote out. So if you are just someone who wants to be in charge of something, but you've never been put in charge of any, you've never earned it in another way, then get on the school board. And the thing is, the kind of people who've never earned any sort of power, who've never been put in charge of something before in the private sector, those are absolutely the people you do not want in charge of the school board, but that's why they gravitate to it. So that's my, I don't know, my psychoanalysis of people who go on the school board or about 75% of the people who end up on the school board. And Sheila, should it be that in the near future, if it is revealed that Lemieux is suffering from some kind of sexual perversion, what are these dolts on the Halton District School Board going to say then? How are they going to justify that for coming up for a year oh. they've been protecting this guy? Oh, they'll say we need to pity this person. He's sick. Yeah. Just like minor attracted individuals are, we're no longer calling them pedophiles, right? Because they're sick. It's, a, it's an That's illness. Right. Instead intergenerational of evil, sex, I think it's called now, right? Yeah, instead Not of an evil predilection. Yeah, so uh, they'll just say, look, you guys are a bunch of bigots because it's clear that this person is suffering. They're suffering an illness. Um, and how dare you not be understanding of their need to use your children to feed their fetish. Um, we should we should do just because it's in the headline yep. uh, for the YouTube video. Let's just touch on Trudeau's town hall. He <laughs> said some crazy things about Alberta, as he tends to do. That's why I'm wearing my shirt from the Rebel News or Rebel News It is. It says, don't Ottawa, my Alberta. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so that's in the Rebel News store. And I like it because although if you're looking at it, um, it's a little bit, um, the colors are a little bit different in reality because I'm in front of a green screen and this little piece here is bright green. It's grass, oh. but it comes across as brown. But it's sort of in the vein of the old tourism Alberta advertisements, which I really like. I have one of those on my laptop. Um, but yeah, it's at rebelnewsstore.com and it says, don't Ottawa, my Alberta. But Trudeau said some crazy things about Alberta as he tends to do. That's nothing new. It just makes Albertans mad. Um, but the one thing that I thought was really crazy that will affect the entire country is that, um, it, well, his remarks about legalizing and handing out taxpayer funded heroin and cocaine. I mean, this is it's crazy. What we've done around harm reduction and safe, uh, safe consumption, um, the, the project that we have, that working with BC to decriminalize uh, possession of harder drugs now. Um, as we, I mean, there was a lot of shouting about that, and it's a very politically polarizing issue still, and you can see the conservative leader doing videos about how, how bad that is, but grounding ourselves in facts and data and public treatment and evidence um, of a public health problem is, is the way to move forward on this. So we're going to continue uh, to invest in supporting people. So that was a, um, was that in British Columbia, Sheila? Yeah, it was in BC, I believe last night. Um, I love how they use the word safe consumption. There's no such thing as safe consumption of poisons, um, which is 
what he's saying here. Like, there's no such thing as safe consumption of bleach or Drano. And I look at heroin and cocaine and fentanyl and meth as poisons because they are poisons. That's why we call overdoses opioid poisonings. They're being poisoned. And now we have the government saying that it is kindness. It's harm reduction to not only make it easier for you to poison yourself, but then to literally give you the poison by which you're going to kill yourself. Um, There's only one way out of addiction, and that is getting clean or dying. Now, you will die fast or you will die slow. And you will torture everybody around you as you do it. All the innocent people around you will suffer and get sucked into your black hole too. Or you can get clean and you can become functional and you can get your life back. And you can go back to your kids, back to your wife, back to your job. And you can live clear-eyed and productive in whatever way that means. But right now we have the government enabling people to be sick. If you are a family who is dealing with drug addiction, and so many families are, one of the first things they tell you is do not help them until yeah. they hit rock bottom. And you know what the government is doing? Keeping people from hitting that rock bottom where they say, I've got nothing. I can't do this anymore. The government just keeps them just one step above that in this state of misery and suffering. And they're making sure those families and those children stay in the same place. And, and Sheila, to extend this policy, what if someone is, say, an alcoholic, uh, you were involved in an accident or you got caught in a spot check, you've lost your license or it's suspended, you got to stay at home. I guess by extension, we should be, because they can't get to the liquor store anymore, we should be, as taxpayers, funding a government program to bring liquor to their homes. I mean, why not? What's the difference? Why are we doing this with these things, right? Like <clears throat> with other addictions, gambling addiction, we ta- we put people on a list at the casino so they can't come in. And even if they win, they don't get to keep their money. Um, but with these two addictions, booze and drugs, um, we treat it far differently. Like if people have shopping addictions, we don't keep giving them money so that they can continue to shop because they need to just mitigate their addiction instead of deal with it. But with these two, we just say, okay, well, you know what? There's, there's no point in you doing the hard work to get clean and us supporting you through that transition. They just say, you know what? You are a person who can never recover. And what a denial of someone's human dignity and their potential. That's, I think, really the part that bothers me about this. Aside all the suffering of the innocent people around the addict, it's that the addict somewhere inside of them is a human being. For me, I I look at this through a Christian worldview. They're created in the image of God. They're the image bearer of Christ. That's a pretty important thing. Their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I always say it's the temple of the Holy Spirit act accordingly, treat it accordingly. And so I think that we, there's something better, something more for, for you if you look at yourself that way than just to languish in this misery. And Justin Trudeau's policy is to deny the dignity and potential of the individual. And I frankly think that's evil. It's astonishing to me, Sheila. I mean, it's been less than a century where we had prohibition in Canada and the United States, and we've gone from that 
to the situation now of legalizing, of enabling, of making the addictions of addicts even worse. Wait, uh, and one more thing. The, the, we've got two generations now, two generations of data on harm reduction coming out of the downtown east side. Mm-hmm. We know this doesn't make anything any better. They say harm reduction will help the addict. Guess where the majority of overdoses are happening? In BC, in the downtown east side. It is not mitigating overdoses whatsoever. It is not getting more people into treatment. It is not getting any more people clean. It's just legalized their suffering. And it's, by the way, it's taken away a point of entry into the treatment system because sometimes you have to hammer people into treatment against their will. You say to them, look, you're going to go to jail for like five years. Uh, or you can go into treatment and stay in treatment and get regularly drug tested. And we have taken away that point of contact now, that threat of looming over someone's head that will force them to get clean because we've legalized drugs in BC. And by the way, Sheila, I should point out that uh, Blackface was speaking at a um, at the Union Hall for the International Brotherhood of electrical workers. Um, and I knew he must be addressing um, predominantly men who work with their hands. Yep, because there's, <laughs> he played Mr. Dress Down again, folks. He Every gets time. rid of his jacket, he loosens his tie, and he rolls up his sleeves as if he's going to be doing some sort of electrical work at this uh, town hall. I mean, I, I don't even know if this dude knows how to hold a hammer correctly, Sheila. Actually, um, I don't know if we can get to it, maybe too short notice. Remember, there was a video a couple of years ago. He was trying to hammer in a nail. Uh, oh, do you yeah. remember that video? And it, <laughs> yeah, yes. He couldn't do yes. it, right? Like even yeah. a handyman idiot like me, I can at least hammer a nail and just tell me where to hammer it. I'll do it. But nope, that was um, too much of a stretch uh, for blackface. So if we can find that video before the end of the show, we'll we'll play it. In the meantime, Sheila, I imagine we have some uh, comments. Yeah. By the way, my husband taught me a little trick about how to hammer something. And he said, start your nail, put it in the claw of the hammer. And then because now it's the head of the nail is fixed in the claw, put that in, like hammer that, because you don't have to aim or line anything up. Like you have to line it up in the right spot, but hammer that in to get your nail to stick. And then you start hammering. I don't understand. No, of course you don't, because you don't use (laughs) (laughs) But on the claw back of your hammer, on the claw back of your hammer, slide the nail head in, turn your hammer around, take that, because now you have the nail sticking out on that side and put that into the wall. Now you've got your nail started, take your hammer out and start hitting from the other side. I, I thought the claw was to take the nail out. Right, but it can. you can also use it to start your nail. Um, so, so confusing. So you don't have to line up and hit your hand. This is why and I was in one yesterday. This is why I have a meltdown when I go to home hardware, Sheila. You know, all these power tools, all this lumber, all these pieces of wood and vinyl and plastic and guys coming in and buying all this stuff and they're going to go home and they're going to build a tree house or something. And I have no idea. I feel like so less of a man whenever I go to these kind of stores. It's, it's terrifying. It's like Dracula walking into a garlic factory. (laughs) (laughs) I love home hardware. (laughs) I do. I do. I like to look at the new uh, pitchforks and stuff. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, 
salty shit and I'm just reading. I don't need to Gives us 10 bucks and says, Texas here. We love Rebel News. Avi made me laugh in the Alice Springs report. You know, Avi's mm-hmm. got fans all over the world, yeah. doesn't he? Which is why he was the first runner up for the Rebel News Choice Award. Um, because he draws fans from all over the world. Talk about Chinese interference. <laughs> Anyways. David, when I won that fair and square. <laughs> you were the winner, right? <laughs> I was, yeah. I just didn't want to say. But the first how... runner-up is also the first loser, but I didn't, I didn't want to say. <laughs> wasn't, didn't one of these Rebbe Awards, wasn't it tainted by scandal a year or two ago? Somebody got into the system and gin the numbers. Ago. See, that that's like... Much as I'm not a handyman, I don't know anything about computers either. So, but I know there are people on staff that do know a lot about computers. So, can we put that person should have taken that time and energy to make a video that people would like so that they were more likable so that people would vote for them? But instead, they tried to cheat. (laughs) I don't even know who the person is. That's how behind the curve I am. It wasn't you, obviously. Uh, (laughs) Kenzie67 gives us five bucks. It's not about dress code. It's about the insanity of cross-dressing mentally ill people, teaching kids and confusing them during their formative sexuality years that will affect the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. Uh, It's fetishistic. Um, That's why I always talk about the bike shorts is because it's not. And the enormous boobs with the ridiculous nipples that (laughs) he insists on everybody seeing because he gets off, I think, on people like predominantly young men in the shop class looking at his genitals. I'm sure of it. And and you know something, Sheila, and, and I can't even believe we're arguing about whether or not those breasts are real or not. But say they were, say this is this one male on the planet that got this condition, developed enormous breasts at age 39. I think you're a little past puberty uh, by then. Um, 39? At 39, he said he started to develop, started to develop at 39. Am I older than this guy? (laughs) You know what? That's, I I don't know his age. So maybe, um, yeah, I don't know where in the timeline it is. I, I guess he could be 39. I'm looking at his picture. But no, but even thing. if it was like took five years for his boobs to develop, because I think it would take five years for, for those oh, to is grow. That right? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Like, well, I don't how know. Well, how would I know? Is. I'm just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> You're the boobzilla expert. I just assumed that you knew. But here's the point I'm trying to get to, Sheila. If those are real, what are the odds, okay? that those breasts are the exact same size and shape and have the exact same protruding nipples as the one I bought, the set I bought rather, from eBay for 500 bucks. Like, what are the odds? I would make the most reckless gambler cringe. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Vice President came in and admonished me. The election for the Rebbe Awards was completely on the level this year. So it I was guess. on the level this year. It was. There was no cheating. I earned it fair and square this year. But I, my campaign started early. I'll take Mr. <laughs> President's word, but I, I think I might look into, uh, I guess, the consultant that the Halton District School Board is hiring to take a deep dive into this. Too. Yeah. Hire McKinsey. 
Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, Cheryl Dawn V gives us five bucks. Uh, but if TikTok is so dangerous, why did the government of Canada spend $2.3 million on TikTok advertising? That's right. Uh, recently, it was first reported in Blacklocks, who relied on order paper documents published in the House of Commons, that the federal government, while simultaneously banning TikTok, now has spent $2.3 million advertising on TikTok, including, I think it was uh, Health Canada might have been one of the larger um, ad buyers. And it's just weird because that's where all the kids are. Yeah. So um, the government was trying to get your kids on TikTok. Um, well, it's right out of the communist playbook, Sheila. Get them young, get them yeah. forever. Uh, by the way, Blacklocks does fantastic work. Uh, you know, I have to Great commend work. them. And what is the latest, Sheila? Do you know? I mean, there was this move to get them ousted. Um, you know, from, I, I guess, the House for, you know, in terms of reporting, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm a little foggy on the details, uh, because, you know, the Black Locks journalists were actually doing real journalism as opposed to paid propaganda. Uh, do, we, do you know where the situation is with uh, that organization right now, Sheila? So uh, Black Locks, December 5th, they were evicted from the PPG offices, so that's the Parliamentary Press Gallery. We are not yes. allowed in the PPG, Parliamentary yeah. Press Gallery. Um, that is the cabal of mainstream media journalists who control access to Parliament Hill for journalists, which is crazy in and of itself, because why should our competitors control where we can go and who we can have access to, right? Like, like of course, we exist because they do bad work, so um, we should be able to go to these places. But they're currently... I think Black Lux, they're suing the press gallery in court. This Good. is the statement they made. We will now see the press gallery in court. Our subsidized competitors met in secret. <laughs> this feels familiar. Happened to me here in Alberta. Yep. Plotted punitive me measures over petty grievances and served an eviction notice accompanied by armed police. Their conduct is outrageous, Black Lux said Monday morning. Uh it came on the heels of a Blacklocks article based on access to information filings, which reported a meeting with Revenue Canada and 35 news companies related to the delivery of over half a billion dollars in federal subsidies to failing publishers. Uh, the reason, the petty grievances, so Blacklocks embarrasses them by showing that, look, you guys met with the CRA for preferential treatment. Yeah. The PPG reporters became annoyed that Blacklocks report. Uh, I must have written this up. Did I write that? Yeah, of course I did. That sounds like <laughs> something I would say. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I recognize this snarky style shoehorned into the middle of this news article. Um, Blacklocks is the only parliamentary press gallery member eligible for federal subsidies that neither solicits nor accepts federal government funding. According to Blacklocks Monday morning, the eviction preceded PPG reporters becoming annoyed that Blacklocks reporters were actually working. It said <laughs> the eviction followed press gallery president Guillaume St. Pierre's threat to terminate Blacklocks membership. The eviction letter stated Blacklocks managing editor Tom Korsky was impolite, disturbs the journalists around him. And this is my favorite part because he's actually working. Streams parliamentary committee hearings on his computer. So we so? watch. That's his job. Like he watches yeah. the hearings so that he can write up what happens in the hearings. Um, so he's doing work and it's annoying the PPG reporters who just reblog press conferences verbatim by the government. 
So essentially, Sheila, because Blacklock staff are not accepting bribes from blackface to be good little trained seals, yeah. uh, therefore off with their heads, get the constables with their guns. I mean, talk about an overreaction as if there was <laughs> going to be a fight or something. I mean, they're journalists. They're, they're not Antifa. And uh, out they go. Oh, my God. I so hope they're successful in their oh, me lawsuit, too. Sheila. That witch trial garbage too happened to me and Kean Bexty here in Alberta. We were making application to join the Alberta Press Gallery, um, knowing that we would probably not be um, accepted. I don't need permission from my um, enemies <laughs> to, to, yeah. to do my job. Um, but anyways, we thought we would go through the motions and see like what their reactions would be. And what they did was they held a vote to not allow us to join but they didn't allow us to attend the vote, argue for our inclusion or make the case why we should be there, um, you know, stating the the size of our viewership or our readership or the length of time we've been journalists or any of that. They didn't allow us to make the case. They had a witch trial for us, but yeah. even witches get to show up at their own trial before they dump them in the river to see if they swim. <laughs> Keaton and I didn't even get that. Um, and I've been actually removed from the Alberta legislature at the hands of an armed sheriff. So a lot of this sounds familiar, Black Box. It just yeah. happened to me over the course of two separate events, and you got it all in one try. So good for you. Efficiency, and last I guess. year, um, I got removed from Queen's Park, even though I was there as a guest of a sitting MPP, that would be Rick Nichols. And uh, basically, because I had the temerity to go into uh, the media room where there was a press conference being held uh, by uh, Dr. Charles McVitie, and uh, that little midget of a snake, Colin DeMello, uh, of the mainstream media, ratted me out uh, to the Queen's Park Police. And uh, I didn't even know I was breaking I mean, a rule, like Sheila. I was there, uh, you know, to get into the building, uh, you have to either be accredited media or a guest of a, an MPP. And evidently, because I went into this room, I mean, fancy that, uh, a journalist going into a room where there's a press conference. I mean, <laughs> and um, uh, out I was escorted. Uh, so I know the feeling you had as well. You know, and what difference does it make to Colin DeMello or whatever his name is? What difference does it make to him whether or not you're there? Exactly. It's vindictiveness. You know, like if, if, exactly. If he's doing his job and he thinks people are watching him and not you, then he doesn't need to have somebody remove you because he's a stickler for the rules and you're some kind of danger to the people around you. Listen, he had you removed because you would tell another side of the story that he didn't want known. I think it might be short man syndrome. Colin DeMello, he, he's almost midget, okay, Sheila? I mean, he's the kind of guy that goes to the amusement park. And you know those little cardboard cutouts of a kid? you got to be this tall to get on the roller coaster. It's hit and miss with Colin DeMello. So he's got a, a real grudge to bear, I should think. I think there's a strong um, overlay here with my theory on why certain people gravitate to school board leadership. <laughs> Same reason why certain people gravitate to parliamentary press gallery uh, leadership is because in uh, the normal world, they would never be selected to lead anything based on their skills, talent, or disposition. So they become in charge of these quasi-judicial garbage shows. And Sheila, what was the name of the journalist that wrote the execution order for you? It was it Tyler Dawson, I think? Tyler Dawson. Yeah. yeah. And it was like... <laughs> 
hey man, no hard feelings, but you're excluded just because. <laughs> well, they, and I think then right after that, I think he resigned or somebody else resigned. And then Catherine Grakowski, who, who writes this like unreadable NDP blog, uh, she was elected. <laughs> Like, I don't think she, I don't think she actually works anywhere, but she was elected to lead the PPG. And I'm like, these people with like absolutely no reach think they're going to censor me. More people are going to hear me making fun of what you did to me than will read anything that you guys produce combined. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to some of this. I have to be somewhere at one my time. So, um, then. Oh, it's getting pretty close. Uh, Fraser McBurney, fight the fines recidivist from Hamilton. Hamilton remains one of the most progressive, terrible places in the country, not because of the people, but because of the local government. Um, Five bucks. How much do we pay these school board people? If we pay them more than $500 a month, we're paying them too much. I have no idea, but it's definitely not a full-time job, right? Um, I believe if, when it comes to the director of education, and that would be at Halton District School Board, Curtis Innes, he, him, um, which is kind of funny because he does have a beard. I don't know how often he's confused for a she, her, but we're talking, I believe she'll in the $300,000 range, at least for, you know, the major boards in Southern Ontario. Those are the elected board members or the bureaucrats? Oh, that I'm talking about the director of education uh, who drives a Tesla, yeah. by the way. Um, gotcha. So, you know, he's making some good payola. It's the elected board members that I really have a problem with. These people who are elected to advocate for parents and students to protect their interests against the powerful teachers unions. And they just like roll right over and just take their money and And also tell parents to shut up and students to shut up. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. There's that um, clip. Maybe you showed it this week. I don't know. Uh, That clip of the little boy going to the school board meeting, uh, talk and reading from the book his librarian gave him at his library it's horrendous oh i know what you're talking about yeah yeah and we'll have to give everybody like a language warning a little bit like there's something jarring about seeing that little person say those words um because my my youngest doesn't even use the word stupid she's like that's a swear mom it's me it's mean (laughs) and so this like kid was reading this filth but it made the point that this shouldn't be my library and then this blue-haired school board uh childless moms (laughs) Uh, they were scolding the dad for being concerned. And then once again, I reiterate, childless moms, if you want to indoctrinate kids with your ideology, do what I did and have a few. But instead, they won't. They want to indoctrinate your kids with their psychotic anti-human ideology. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, we've got uh, five bucks from Ableist SL. The anti-regressive movement is suffering widespread division over subjects such as porn, gays, trannies, obscenity in the media, abortion, hookup culture, etc. And we need to unite and perish. Uh, yeah, you, we were talking about this in our staff meeting yesterday, that there are, I think, social conservatives across the spectrum, regardless of your uh, religion, <laughs> are quickly coalescing around how gross we find uh, the current state of the culture. So evangelicals, Protestants, Catholics, um, Anabaptists, uh, Orthodox Jews, Muslims were all quickly saying, no, 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 we're all social conservative and we reserve the right to protect our children from this absolute filth. So uh, that could be the positive side effect of it in all of this um, is that we are uh, more united on other issues. Indeed. 
Um, is that or is that it, guys? We all cut up. Um, maybe we should let's quickly update our viewers because I have about uh, a minute or two before I have to get off air. We've got uh, we got a quick update to the story of Pastor Derek Reimer. So Derek Reimer is a pastor in Calgary. Some people might not like his style. You might not agree with his views on certain things. I don't care. I, I literally don't care what his views are on other things. I reserve the right to defend his free speech, which I do. And his right to protest, particularly the allocation of government resources in government-funded facilities. He is against these all-ages drag shows, and he's been protesting them at the library, at the Seaton Library in Calgary. He was at a protest on Saturday where he was forcibly removed, not by police or security, but by participants in the drag show. But, I thought, they, handled- but Sheila, I thought they subscribed to Love Trump's Hate. Oh, that's one of the things that I found quite ironic is, okay, so they manhandle him in front of the kids. They shove him through the door and then shove him to the ground. So they physically assault him. And they are telling people outside, we're concerned about what he was saying, that what he was saying would upset the kids. And uh, Derek's there because he's worried about kids being exposed to adult cross-sex burlesque shows. And you just beat him up in front of the kids but you're worried that he might be a little too frisky in front of the, like, look at what they're doing to him. These guys are not security. What are you doing? Right. Throwing him to the ground. That's completely unnecessary. Anyway, he's been targeted by the uh, mayor of Calgary who said that she would weaponize the unconstitutional anti-street harassment bylaw to target specifically people who are protesting drag queen story hours. Well, that's crazy. That's and that's unconstitutional. And harassment is a real thing. Harassment is in the criminal code. It has to be a targeted pattern of behavior like stalking or unwanted contact. This guy's protesting government policy and public policy. Okay, that's his right. You don't get to shove him around and beat him up. Um, so it, yesterday morning, police attended Derek's home and they said, uh, sorry, it was one cop, and I think that's why he wasn't arrested, although we initially reported it as though he was arrested. So, um, But just to clarify, he wasn't arrested. This one lone Calgary cop showed up at his house to inform him that he would be facing charges of mischief and causing a disturbance. Now, I suspect he's probably going to get slapped with that anti-harassment fine, too. It's $400 for protesting. So he's probably going to get that, too. Um, so anyway... He's waited. He's waited. He said, I'm not turning myself in. They can actually come get me. So um, we've got a video um, with the guy. uh, Sid was with um, Pastor Derek last night because he thought maybe he'd be arrested at church. I mean, this is the Calgary cops. They arrest uh, peaceful pastors in front of their screaming kids, as they did with Tim Stevens. So we thought, no surprise, they'd probably arrest him during church, like haul him away in handcuffs. Um, But uh, we've got a statement from Pastor Derek right now. By the way, if you want to help Pastor Derek, uh, because he's going to need a world of help. He's got uh, really great lawyers. We've been helping him since his very first fine for feeding the homeless in Calgary. Uh, You can go to uh, fightcensorshipfines.com. Let's show that clip, please. Hi, Matt. This is Derek Reimer calling. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I was just wondering where things were at. Uh, where things are at, Derek, is there are two warrants to arrest 
um, active right now. So okay. that's up to you to turn yourself in or not. Okay. Good to know. Hey, I appreciate that. Sorry? I said good to know. I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me know. Okay. 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 God bless. Yeah, so, I, I don't think warrants. he's in danger of getting arrested in his house, Sheila. Usually for passers, when it comes to the Calgary police, they wait until they're driving in a live lane of traffic and uh, doing some uh, kabuki theater law enforcement like they did with uh, Pastor Art Pawlowski. Remember that on uh, Slick uh, Calgary Highway? They like to make a show of it. What a disgrace uh, that that police service is. Yeah, it's the worst. And uh, I think the Calgary police told Global News they're also opening a hate crimes investigation against him. Uh, you're beating up a pastor who's absolutely outraged that you are showing kids, little kids, these cross-sex burlesque shows inside a government-funded facility. And he gets assaulted and you open a hate crimes investigation against him. And it gets even worse because um, the Calgary police have really not been applying the uh, anti-harassment bylaw against the people that the mayor of Calgary, Jody Gondek, would like them to apply it to. So what she's saying is, well, since they're not doing it with this bylaw, we're going to make another stronger bylaw to stop oh, yeah. what she calls hatred and vile lies directed at these drag performers. See in court, uh, Mayor Jody. Yeah. Bring it, sister. I can't yeah. wait. I can't yeah. wait. Let's rumble. You want to bring in these unconstitutional bylaws like you are the dictator of Cowtown? Great. Let's fight. Uh, Sheila, can I give the Calgary Police Service some uh, advice here? Free advice. Um, instead of opening up a hate crimes investigation on this pastor, how about opening up a real crime investigation, as you just saw five minutes ago uh, on video, folks. Uh, this guy was forcibly thrown to the ground, and they weren't even security guards. These were just some ideological thugs. Uh, there's the evidence. That tells the whole story. Um, I guess, is hurt feelings uh, more important these days in Calgary than uh, uh, broken bones, Sheila? Look at this. Like, look at what they're doing to him. I he could have been seriously hurt. His head hit the floor. But none of these people are charged with assault. Yeah. Kind of, and you know what? He's the bad guy here. That's according to yeah. Jody Gondek. What happened to him is not enough. Now he's got two criminal charges. And probably he's going to get slapped with these anti-harassment fines. And they've opened a hate crimes investigation against him. For what? Holding an orthodox Christian viewpoint. Boils my blood, Sheila. And like you said, bring it, sister. This is totally unconstitutional. It'll be uh, dropped in court. And if it isn't, then uh, we are going down a censorious route. Um, we started the show mentioning George Orwell uh, that I guess not even uh, Mr. Orwell could have envisioned. In any event, do we have any more uh, uh, I chats? think that's it. We're 40 minutes over. <laughs> Just like Friday. Uh yeah. <laughs> In any event, well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, especially all those who gave a donation. And uh, thank you, of course, to Olivia and Efren behind the boards. Uh, I believe the big boss man himself is going to be hosting the live stream tomorrow. So please tune in for that. One, one, am I wrong, Sheila? I think, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to hear it. 
I yes. can use an hour to do something else. <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, that's always a fantastic experience. Uh, in the meantime, as always, folks, stay safe and stay sane. We have natural resources. We have the kinds of critical minerals that are going to be necessary for the economy of the future. We have wind power and renewable energies. We're leading the way on a lot of climate change innovation, even as we're trying to decarbonize our uh, traditional energy sources. Like, there are a lot of advantages that Canada has right now that a lot of other places don't have. Again, doesn't make you feel a lot better about having trouble paying your groceries, but we are on a track that is going to get significantly better. And in the meantime, we're just going to have to keep hanging on, leaning, leaning in for each other, having a government that's being there for you in ways that we can, and make sure we're building for a stronger future. But thank you very much for your question, James.